0: Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, a special bonus midweek episode. We're here with Ashley Laneri, um, who has been a friend of ours for a long time. She teaches seminary and is just finishing her Master's in Religious Study at BYU. Ashley, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here.
0: I think we've wanted to have you on the uh, podcast since we were recording Book of Mormon episodes. We thought we'd need to find a way to get Ashley on. I've been in your class multiple times. You're an awesome teacher and you've been doing this this uh study, this religious history study um that is just fascinating to me and I think really timely and important for uh the kind of cultural discussion we're having today in the church and so um we've been we've been really excited to have you for a while and are glad that it finally worked out. So me thanks too. for recording with us late at night. And those that are listening don't know but we've we've been through a couple of iterations at the beginning of this episode, just trying to get
2: technical difficulties
0: difficulties working. So you're being very patient with us. So thank you very much.
1: No problem.
0: Um, If we can, Ashley, if you just give us kind of an overview of your um, research background, where you're at and what you're looking into and why you're looking into it, what your kind of story is, and then we'll dive more into it as we get into the episode. But tell us kind of Kind of your your story and and your research.
1: Sure. Um, So it kind of started for me about uh, four years ago. I uh, it was kind of in the time of the ordained women movement, Um, and I think it was even beyond four years ago. I I was I was um, immersed in social media with the subject of women in the priesthood and. I was seeing all of these posts that people were making and I just disagreed with what people were saying, but I felt like I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the words to articulate why I felt the way that I felt. So, I began one summer to just study as much as I could, and I I immersed myself in the scriptures and general conference talks and I, anything I could get my hands on until I felt like I finally could talk about it. I could teach it. I could even write about it. So when I was in this master's program and they were telling us that we needed to pick a thesis subject, something that we were passionate about, I decided that I was passionate about women's studies and, um, I, I knew I was passionate about the priesthood, but I didn't realize that I could write about it until I came across um, some writings of a woman named Leah Woodso. Um, she is she was married to an apostle, um, John A. Woodso. She lived and wrote a lot in the early 19, uh, 1900s. Um, and um, Leah Witso, she she is a woman who wrote a lot about women in the priesthood. And I started to read some of the things that she wrote in the Relief Society magazine, and I realized she was talking about the same things that we're talking about a hundred years later, about women, the priesthood, power, authority, and women's place and role in the church and in the world. So she got me really excited, and and I began to write about her and the things that she she wrote about, and I've just learned a lot about our day from the things that she has said.
0: That's really cool. Um, I, I've been really impressed with the Saints book. One of the things I love most about it is how often the the stories that are told they're telling them from from women's perspectives. And I think we're kind of going through an evolution in history generally, but but even in Mormon history, where for a long time the the stories and the perspectives of women weren't told, and then they were told, but from a men from from the men's perspective. And now we're getting to this place where with the amount of resources that we have access to that we can finally start uh, telling the story the stories and perspectives of women from their own words and their own perspectives and their own their own writing so
2: yeah I love that's what you're doing with that That'll, that's so cool
0: well what we want to do is is start in the scriptures if we can in that story of Mary and Martha and what we learn from them about um, how to love God more or better and, and how to love our neighbor more. Um, we were talking before we started recording, but one of the things that I've become kind of fascinated with in, in this story is um, the things that are the, the traditional view we have for Mary and Martha and how that kind of contrasts with what's actually there. For example, sometimes I think we look, we think the savior is chastising Martha because she was serving and Mary's sitting at Jesus's feet, but he doesn't. Uh, in fact, it says that Mary sat also at Jesus' feet, which I think indicates that Martha was there too. She's a disciple of Christ. In the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead, Martha's the one that runs to the Savior first and procre- professes her belief in him. And so it's not a story about Martha who doesn't do it and Mary who does do it. These are two women um, who love the Savior, who worship him, and are his some of his closest disciples, and can be really good examples for us and can provide the beginning of a discussion on how we as disciples, and maybe even specifically how how women, navigate this relationship with loving God and loving neighbors.
2: And I think also how that fits into um, being a female disciple. You know, there's not a ton of these stories. And so I think that's why this one maybe gets picked apart more than others. But just that they just kind of like you're you're saying like what you were studying from women and what they felt um and using Mary and Martha as as an example of kind of that same struggle that women are feeling today how do we serve what kind of disciple do I be because the being a woman in this day and age is a little more ambiguous than than maybe what it seems like to be an actual disciple of Jesus Christ, while he was there, so maybe they're feeling that same stress that we're feeling and that Leah Woodso was feeling, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think I think there's a lot of ambiguity, and I think Sister Eubank uh, has has talked about that, um, how that can actually be a, an advantage to us as we kind of wrestle with what what our role is, and uh, rather than a disadvantage, which I I think is a really good point.
2: Oh, that's so true. I think you're probably quoting one of my favorite talks. Was that from, from her Fair Mormon, one of her Fair Mormon yes. speeches? Mm-hmm. Yep, I love that. <laughs> I think she's I think she is just the perfect champion in like you're saying, telling the woman's side of the story and studying that. So I guess the question that maybe we start with first for you is um discussing what is a woman's place from your from your studies, like you're saying your passions. Um you know, what is the place of a woman disciple?
1: Well, so the thing I've noticed as I was looking at Mary and Martha, that word cumbered is so interesting to me because it just implies this. She's consumed. Martha's consumed with these other priorities. And um, I think that women today, we can be consumed with a lot of really good things. Um, we're consumed with roles as mother, um, roles as minister. In our callings, but we're also consumed with wanting more. Of, we want more equality in the church. We want more women speakers at general conference. We want more knowledge about our heavenly mother. We want um, more definition of um, what woman re- woman's relationship is with priesthood power. Um, and so, there are lots of things that we can be concerned about and cumbered about. But I think. If we want to find our role, our place that will look a little different for each circumstance and family, we need to first understand what we have. And if we understand what we have, then we're not going to be as concerned about all of the things that we think we may lack. And we we get more focused on the savior, on on what's in front of us. So I think. A couple of things that I would start with for things that women have that we need to embrace um, is first, motherhood. Motherhood is, is universal, and that's something I've learned from Leah Witzow. She defined motherhood as something that every woman has, and that's something President Nelson has talked about in recent general conference. But, uh, when he refers to mother, he's talking about all women. Um, I don't have children yet, but I am a mother to my nieces and nephews. I am a mother to the stranger on an airplane. i am I'm a mother to my students and to the primary kids in my ward. Um, but I can also be motherly in my friendships. and it, it's an innate quality that we have as women. And I think maybe we shy away from really embracing that role because, we look around us and we think about everything that we lack, rather than seeing that God's given us this incredible power as a mother.
0: That's interesting because one of the things that I think uh, happens in this story is um, it doesn't seem—and this could just be my opinion—but it doesn't seem like Martha's getting in trouble as much for the fact that she's serving. Um, I've read. Bible commentators, and they say, this is probably Martha's house. Maybe she's the oldest sibling. Uh, and as the oldest sibling, she's in charge of hosting and preparing food. If Jesus is coming to visit, he probably has a, a, a group of people, disciples that come with him. So it's a lot of people to feed and to get ready. And so it may not be that Jesus is as is chastising her for her service, um, but maybe the, the, the correction for her is, stop trying to, to look at someone else and either covet what they have or criticize them for what they have or, and that kind of goes with what you're saying of looking at what we don't have as opposed to really realizing what we do have.
2: Well, I think in motherhood, that can be the first thing that you compare as a woman. (laughs) Like you're saying, like you don't have kids or this person, you know, I have four kids, but this person has eight kids. And you're more of a mighty woman, the more children you have, or, you know, that we can easily tack on labels so quickly with this first gift when all it is, is something that God is, like you're saying, gifting us with this power of nurture, of this power of, you know, understanding of, um, just having that gift of motherhood that no one else has. I, I love that you brought up president Nelson, cause I've been, um, I think he shared this in a general conference talk, but I'm also reading that new book, The Insights from Him, and that he makes that that slip of saying, I'm I'm a mother of ten children, and he doesn't even notice that he says that he's a mother. And you know, they talk about how, well, I was a doctor because I couldn't be a mother. At and which I,
0: every woman in that women's session goes, Oh
2: but also just, I feel like, you know, like you're saying, like he understands. Well, obviously he's a prophet. He understands what what that motherhood title really holds. So I love that.
1: Yes, I think I think there is so much power in motherhood. It you have power to not just change lives in your home, but through that power to to change society around you because you're influencing people who will then go to make decisions and will go to to influence others, and it it just it is this domino effect as you seek to mother and help and nurture and love God's children around you.
0: So you'd mentioned that there are a couple of things. Motherhood was one of them. What other things come to your mind that, that you say that women have and should maybe um, remember or think about or, or or recall when they're tempted to feel frustrated at what they don't have.
1: I think the the other big thing um, is is the priesthood. Um, women have power and authority in the priesthood. They do not hold an office in the priesthood, but they receive authority in the priesthood when they receive a calling in the church and they have someone lay their hands on their head who has priesthood authority. A relief society president, a primary teacher, anytime a woman serves in a calling, they have that authority and that's something Uh, President Oaks has talked a lot about, Elder Anderson has talked a lot about, um, and that's something Leah Witzow talked a lot about as well. Um, But they also can have power in the priesthood. You receive power in the priesthood when you're worthy, and women can be worthy in their callings. And I know I have seen that in the callings that I have held, where I I have felt power beyond my own to say what I needed to say to be there or to have a reminder to do something. And I know that it's it's God's power working in my life. It, it's priesthood power. And I think if women really understood that vocabulary, if they really understood what they had in the priesthood, then there would be a lot less worry about what they don't have or why our roles are different as men and women. They would be ecstatic that we have so much there, there's actually a quote I wanted to share. Um, Leah Witso was very bold sometimes. So here, here's a really bold one. Uh, Let's we'll see what you think of it. She said, The women inside the church or out who feel that they must have more than their womanhood demands are but short sighted and do not recognize the full scope of their God given powers. And I just think that is very bold. But she's trying to get the idea that, women, you have so much. You have power that God has given you. And if you could realize that, you would be overwhelmed. You would be more than satisfied. You would be in awe of how much God is trusting you.
2: I love that you said That if we could just kind of make that switch in our head or make that understanding, because I think that has recently over the past year or two for me, maybe as like you, I've kind of tried to study this for myself just to answer some of these questions that I've had as well as like just understanding that priesthood is the power of God. I think even some of those ways that we use the word priesthood, that it can really be empowering when we do realize like, wait, I the power of God is with me and God is with me and he cares for me. I think making those, I love that quote of hers. I think that quote should be be shared more often because um, I think it takes just small understandings to really make big strides and also deepen um, your testimony and your connection and your understanding of who God is. And then he's able to teach us more because what you're what you're saying at least maybe what I'm understanding is that you know the barriers that we put up when we change our vocabulary to what we have versus what we lack i think god's able to speak more directly to us and to give us more of his power it might look different than what if we're comparing ourselves to a man but we still have have his power with us because we're his daughters
1: yes exactly and i i have seen that the youth of the church they don't. They don't get this yet, and so I think we're trying. I mean, we've been trying for a hundred years. I, I'm just realizing that if Leah had this conversation a hundred years ago, and we still don't get it today, we're still not implementing it into our vocabulary. Then where do we begin to change this? And I, I really think it starts with how you talk about it first. And as as I talk about it differently, it's almost that a, a one lesson to to the youth I teach is not going to change it because they'll forget it. But perhaps if I just change the way I talk about it, that they will catch on to that, that subtlety and it just becomes part of that's how we talk about it rather than one moment, one isolated moment where we, I, I teach them exactly what, 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 it, what this doctrine really means.
0: I kind of, uh, well, a really eye-opening experience with my students this year. We're in the Doctrine and Covenants, and Section 84 in the Doctrine and Covenants um, has a lot of references to and doctrines and teachings about the priesthood. Um, and one thing I really wanted to do as we studied it this time was um, sometimes the traditional approach, and, and even looking back on past lesson plans that I've used before, it was, all right, brethren, let's look at what your responsibilities are as priesthood holders Sisters, what can you do to support the brethren? And in looking at this time, I realized this isn't God dividing uh, his sons and his daughters. He's giving a revelation to all of them about how his power works, the principles upon which it's governed, and the blessings that come because of it. And so it changed our discussion. And I started the whole thing with asking the question... Um, to specifically to the the girls in class, girls, can you have, we define priesthood as God's power. And I said, so using that definition, girls, do you, can you have, or can you access, I think is what I said, can you access the God's power? Can you access the priesthood? And a lot of the girls said no. And I thought, how sad is that that we're talking about God's power and, and these girls, and maybe it's just the language that we're using, but a lot of these girls think, oh, that's not for me. God's power isn't for me. It's for the boys. And if I access it, I have to access it in some indirect indirect route. You know, I get a priesthood blessing from a priesthood holder in my life, which is a way to do it, but it's not the only way to access God's power. So I love what you're saying, Ashley, about changing the way that we talk about it and maybe helping all of us see that God's power is way more liberally given than, than maybe we've previously thought
1: yes absolutely
0: so the question i have then is if if this is if we're saying that one of the the lessons or one of the takeaways is to look more at at what we have and less at what we don't have in this story of mary and martha the the negative part of it is that comparison and the question i had for you is how what what do you learn from these scriptures are from Leah Woods or just from your own experience to help fight that that pressure to compare, that pressure to look at others and make judgments about myself based on what others have, or what they don't have.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a good question. And I I do think as women, I, I know I struggle with comparison a lot, um, and from women to women. Um, but I also think that in the church today we're doing a lot of comparison from women to men i actually, i actually have a coworker who she's she's getting really upset because because she feels like all the movies these days are recreations of movies that were all male leads but now they're putting in women as the as the lead of, but it's the same movie and um and talking about we've had discussions about how It's like, we feel like we have to copycat. We have to make up for lost time of all the times where women have been mistreated and not understood and they haven't had a voice. And so we feel like they need to replicate what men are doing, but that's not the case. I think that we cannot compare women to men when it comes to responsibilities. The equal does not mean same, And we have to get away from that notion and understand that it's okay that men have a different role than than women. And that that does not diminish my role, but that it complements it. And I think it's important to embrace what we have. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about being satisfied. Do I really understand all that I have as a woman? Because if I really understood, then I would be satisfied. I'll I'll share a one other quote from Leah Witzo. Here's something else she said. She said, when, women, un, when woman understands her full and complete power for building righteousness on earth, she will sense that the gift of motherhood, direct or vicarious, is the greatest of all gifts and will be forced to exclaim, my cup is full. I cannot ask for more. Do we really understand what we have and the power and the influence that we have, or are we are we putting it down because we're trying to be and be like men and and trying to fill their roles to make up for lost time?
0: This isn't gospel, but it's Dr. Laura. I used to listen to Dr. Laura when she was on the radio. <laughs> um, but that was one of the things I really liked listening to her because her big thing was reclaiming the feminine. and her whole point was, the way that women can become truly actualized and and feel their true potential is if they stop trying to become men. Women are women and and there's unique and incredible, powerful things about being a woman and they don't have to mirror men to receive worth in the world. And I know that's hard because right. it it has been for so long a man's world where, yeah, to be recognized, you did have to do that. But I think Hopefully we're coming to a world now where women can be recognized for who they are and even individual women for their individual personalities and traits and characters and things.
2: I think it was Sharon Eubank that said that, um, that if we want women to be represented, we need to start talking, first of all, and sharing these things. Thanks. And we also need to study women like you're doing. I love that you have this, these powerful perspectives from, from a woman who we can identify with so much, even though it was 100 years ago. I love that you pointed that out. So I know we've talked about motherhood and priesthood. And then would you say that's, I don't want to miss any of your points because I was excited to hear those. So we have, would you say that's maybe one of them is stop comparing ourselves to each other and more specifically men in um, in our roles?
1: Yes. And I think I was thinking about Sister Burton. She talked about getting away from competition in marriage. And when I first heard that, I, I wasn't married and I, I didn't really understand, but I think I understand a little bit more, um, but I, I now being married for a couple of years, but that I feel like sometimes you can feel like you're in a competition with your spouse and when really your roles complement each other. Um, Elder Holland, I when I was thinking about this word of comparison, I thought of Elder Holland, the labors in the vineyard talk where he says, um, we are not in a race against each other to see who is the wealthiest or the most talented or the most beautiful or even the most blessed. And maybe I would add to that quote, who, who has the most responsibility, who, is, who talks the most, who's in a leadership, who sits on the stand the most. Um, and then he, to finish his quote, he says, the race we r- are really in is the race against sin. And surely envy is one of the most universal of those. And I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's bad for women to want more, to, to wonder, to have questions, to, to ask these big questions, some of the ones that I had mentioned before. But I mm-hmm. think that the majority of women that I have seen that have these questions of more, I want more, they don't have the foundation of what they already have. And that that I worry about, because if you're constantly seeking for more without a sure foundation of what you already have, you're going to end up empty-handed, because I don't know that the Lord wants to give us more until we first appreciate what we already have.
0: I'm looking at the end of this story, uh, Mary and Martha, and, and I think what's become, recently reading it, my favorite line, the Savior says, To Martha about Mary, verse 42, one thing is needful and Mary hath chosen that good part. And the phrase that I love, which shall not be taken away from her. This thing at her core, her relationship with God, his ability to empower her in her life and her love and devotion to him, that will never be taken away from her. It's not something that she can forfeit or lose. Um, It's something that's always there.
2: Well, just like Ashley was just saying that when we're building on the Shore Foundation, that does not get taken away for us. and when we build that foundation, we can be given so much more um, when we truly understand where what to focus on. So I just oh Ashley, I wish we had more time because I love everything you're saying. So great. maybe we'll have to have you back again. But just in closing, is there anything else that you would like to share or maybe something that we missed? I guess if if I could say it, just a takeaway that I
1: have had from this experience that I'm still learning from, um, I think that Heavenly Father can speak to us in our in our own personal ways and teach us in our language in the way we need to hear it. What great gifts and powers and blessings He has for each of us, men and women, that we we all need to discover personally what Heavenly Father has already given us and. Just what a privilege it is to be a member of his church and I think when we turn to him and and prayerfully ask him and study things out ourselves, he is ready to pour out that knowledge to us and help us to understand in a way that that we can understand so that our focus can be on on the right things
2: that's great that's I think that's really powerful um so thank you Ashley for sharing your your study and your work that you have been working on. We're just so grateful for the insights that you shared and um, hoping that the listeners out there will um, gain as much as I did from this. So we're just so grateful to have you here.
1: Well, thank you so much. I've learned a lot just from listening and talking to you. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Ashley. And thank you to everyone that's listening this week. Um, Hopefully this has been something that's powerful for you Uh, question I had on here that we, we didn't get to, which isn't important, but is my takeaway is as a, as a husband, as a father of daughters, as a teacher of, of, of women, I take away from this, what I can do to help, um, support those women that I love and care about in my life. And so whether you're a woman listening and this is empowering for you, or you're a man listening, and this is hopefully empowering for you in the way that you view and treat and, and sustain the women in your life, um. Hopefully this makes a difference. So thank you, everyone. And we will see you next episode.